Hi there, Erica. How's it going? Good. How are you, Theo? Yeah, good. Thanks. Lovely to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Tell us a bit more about yourself. How did you start with voice acting? I haven't been doing it too long. I've been doing it about three years, but I've been wanting to do it since I was little. I just had a couple other life events happen that kept me from doing it before 2010. But I've been a radio announcer and I've done fun stuff like that. Yeah, so what did the pathway start off as? Is that what you started off doing, radio announcing? Or, you know, what were you doing beforehand? I'm looking at it right now. I have a PhD in history. <laughs> and. So um, the academic goal came first because I thought it would take longer, and it did. So I had two life goals. One was to be an historian, and the other was to do voiceovers. It's all about storytelling. I just thought, and I was right, that the PhD would take longer. And there wasn't as much opportunity for me to connect with voiceover as there has been in this decade. I was able to find opportunities that I wasn't before then. Cool. So what did you start on? What was your first voiceover project? A very sad little uh, answering machine for Grant County PUD. So, so what different styles have you had to work in? How have you found it? Well, what has been mostly so far has been long-form narration and audiobooks because my voice lends itself to that. Yeah. And I really enjoy doing it because it's a, it's a form of storytelling that gives me an opportunity to use my inflection a little but it doesn't give me a chance to form characters as much as I want. Yeah, I mean, is that something you want to go into, doing characters? Yes. Yeah? Definitely. So Definitely. you animations, or, I mean, have you thought about video games as well and things like that? I have. I just don't have the demos yet. So <laughs> I have the voices. <laughs> really? Can you demonstrate one for us? I've been very proud of the fact that I can do all five boroughs of New York because I grew up in Connecticut, so I can do a very, very good... Uh, the Long Island accent with the hard consonants and the long vowels. Brooklyn is like this because you just got the the vowels. You always have the hard vowels. And, and the Bronx is kind of like this and you have the hard sound. And so I love doing that because that's what I grew up with. I do a mean hound dog. <laughs> Who do you admire? Who's your role models? My favorite person who's done lots of characters is a gentleman named Pat Fraley. Okay. And um, I grew up listening to him without knowing who he was. And he did all the villain voices in Scooby-Doo. Oh, nice. He's done lots of things, but that's the one I remember him for. And I've actually taken classes with him, and it's like... I get to know Pat Fraley, and he's just—he's oh, such a fun, happy guy, and he's a wonder—he's a wonderful person to work with. So, but I mean, just the fact that I know someone who was doing it that long ago is yeah. pretty amazing, and so he's—he's he's quite an inspiration for me. Yeah, I mean, um, every voice artist I speak to, they—they they always highly recommend taking classes. So, have you found that that's definitely a key? You can't get into this industry without taking classes because there's so many nuances to it. Like, for example, um, I don't have anything to read, but I'll make something up. So you can immediately tell when somebody hasn't had a class when they go, so for a limited time offer, you can get uh, three dozen eggs and two loaves of bread. That's a very easy indicator that somebody hasn't had training because the emphasis is on the and and not the items that you're selling. Yeah, so naturally, like a normal person would go, and this, whereas I suppose you would right. focus on the actual product, and that's what the producer is wanting from you. Right. Cool, that's really and interesting. Things, so yeah, and other things like coloring words. Like, so if you see 
warm. You want to make it sound warm. So it's, it's, it's hints like that that differentiate people who have had training and who haven't. Yes, yeah, so it's all the, subtle, all the subtleties. Yeah. Speaking. So, I mean, what other things do you do in class? Do you do a lot of vocal exercises, I assume, and kind of exercising your throat and your vocal cords? I have had the opportunity, I'll say, uh, to grow up with a mom who was an accompanist. And we had singing classes in my house for about 10 years. So I learned all the vocal training that way, <laughs> like the warm-up. And that's what I use because that's what I know the best. Yeah. But I also practice tongue twisters and try to look at words that I have no idea how to pronounce and look them up to make sure that if I run across them in, in a script, I can without stumbling and going, what is that word? So it's, it's stuff like that. But you can't actually, there's a certain time of day that I can record and my voice sounds good. Normally, my voice is about three or four notes higher than it is right now, but it's early in the morning and I haven't warmed up. Not many people realize that, um, obviously, your voice is just like an instrument. You still have to train it. You have to exercise it. Definitely, because you can't. I mean, one of the things I've encountered with audiobooks, um, because I've been doing fiction, Mm. I have to do all the voices. So that includes the male voices. There's a technique. So women speak with their tongue at the front of their mouth. Men talk like this through the back of their mouth. So I have to shift, like, be fully aware of the fact that, oh, wait, I'm doing a male character, and I have to shift my voice that way. One book I did had four male characters, but, you know, you you figure it out, and you just try to change your range. I'm not down to Tibetan monk, but I I can get a pretty low range. Is that your most challenging role so far, that audiobook where you had, like, four male characters? Yes, it definitely was. It had kids, it had, like, five women, four men, a British warlock. Wow. Uh, I'm like, really? How am I going to do this? Okay, I guess I will because I can. But it was a challenge, like trying to think of when it, with an audiobook, you actually have to bring those characters to life and you have to make sure that you're pleasing the author. I'm not sure if other producers of audiobooks take it this way, but I take it very seriously because this is their baby. So I have to check with the author and say, okay, do you like this? What I do is I read the book and figure out who the characters are and then try to figure out what I think they should sound like. And then I do a sample with the author so they can let me know if they like it or not. And then I'll start recording. Sometimes they decide, like, after I've recorded everything, yeah, I didn't really like that voice. And that's cumbersome. (laughs) (laughs) Have you done the whole book and then they've said that? Well, one one book I did, the author didn't like the voice of a secondary character. Okay. And she told me after I'd recorded 10 chapters of him, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. He's a secondary character, so he's not going to be like the entire thing. But it was like, okay, thank you. I'll do anything you want. You're the author. And that's that's my policy is like if the client doesn't like it, I will do what they want. But sometimes it's like, that was a lot of editing. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, I mean, how, how long was the book, the, the, the biggest novel you recorded? The biggest novel I recorded was about 350 pages, and it typically takes me three hours to edit one hour of recording. Okay, so do you edit it all yourself? Yes, I do. Of course, you have your own setup at home then. You have all your own recording setup. Yes. I actually moved the mic out of, outside of my um, studio. I have a recording studio about 20 feet away from the computer. 
um, that's a lot more isolated in sound, so you wouldn't be hearing any of the noises you might be picking up right now. This is easier for Skype. (laughs) So do you have an ISDN line built in at home? I do not at the moment. because I'm mostly doing audiobooks and the long-form narration, I'm able to do it at home and then send MP3s. Okay, cool. So that's, that's pretty easy. When I get to commercials, there's actually about 10 studios in town that have ISDN, and I can just trot myself down and record that way because it's cheaper than using ISDN because it's such an expensive system. Is it? Because I don't really know too much about ISDN. I have to admit, I mean, obviously I know what it, what it does, and it enables right. to record from a distance, but... Uh, was it a phone? Is it a phone line that they put it's in? It's a phone it? line, and it's oh. very expensive to install, and then mo- the monthly costs are very expensive as well. So it's just for independent producers like myself, or independent voice talent like myself, rather, um, it's easier to go see somebody who already has it. Cool. So what future projects have you got on at the moment? What's coming up? I've got an environmental video... I'm not sure what the scope is yet because I haven't got it. I'm actually doing a little acting as well, which is oh. kind of cool. Actually, I think I caught on IMDb something about you possibly being in a Resident Evil web series. Was that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, it was a lot of fun. I show up to the site and the, the producer says, so do you have your script with you? And I said, you didn't give me a script. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, oh, okay. Well, here it is. And I'm like, oh, cool, I have got a script. And voiceover talent typically don't memorize. So, yeah, so I'm totally cool with reading. I can do anything with reading. And he says, no, you have to memorize it. Well, memorization isn't my forte. So I'm like, okay, I'll take a picture of it on my cell phone, and I'll read it that way. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is now, this is in the 1980s. Okay, I won't have a cell phone in the 1980s. Okay, can I have a clipboard, please? And he gets me a clipboard, and I write down my line. It's only one line. It's, it's like a paragraph line, you know what I mean? It's like me once, one thing I'm saying, but it's a whole paragraph, and I'm like, okay. So by the time we did the take where they did a close-up of me, I'd actually had it memorized because we'd done it so many times. <laughs> it's completely different than voiceover acting because when I do voiceover acting, I don't pay attention to what I'm doing. I just have a lot of gestures. That when, I'm, when I'm excited, I use my hands like I am now. And when I'm acting, I have to actually pay attention to that. It's like, oh, wait, I, I've, I've had acting classes, and it's like, Erica, you need to calm down with your gestures. And it's like, okay, but I'm getting involved in the character. And when I'm doing that, that's, that's when I want to, you know, plunge myself into it. But I have to be more nuanced. Yeah. And I, can't, I can be nuanced with my voice, but I haven't quite mastered the nuance with my physical behavior. So, I mean, what made you go for that acting role? I know the producer, and he posted something and said, we need some help. And I said, hey, you know, I'll be happy to do it for you if you'd like. And he said, are you kidding? I'd love you to. And so I show up, and, and he's there. And he's, I, I, Portland, Oregon has got a pretty thriving film community. Okay. And so because I do voiceovers, it's also helpful to be in contact with the film producers in town. And so I don't, I don't mind doing it. I'd rather do the voiceovers because I'm much more comfortable doing them, but I, I don't mind growing. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like quite an uh, interesting web series, actually. I looked it up. When's it out again? When they get funding. Is that what the trailer was for? Is that to apply for funding? And then they've obviously filmed the first episode. 
Yes. Okay. And then as, as they get more funding, they'll produce other episodes. Oh, that's right. You just triggered something. I'm going to be a reporter in a animation series when that gets funded. So that's going to be fun, too. It's I can tell you a little bit about it. I met the director slash creative developer. Right now, it's called The Syndicate. He's got five seasons planned out. And he's <laughs> developed about probably 70% of the characters already. I like drawn them out and had them completely done. So I know what my character looks like. I've already, you know, I'm like, okay, this is what I think she should sound like. And he loves the voice I've picked because it's like one of those tough, I'm not going to take any prisoners kind of voices. Yeah. And so that's fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's good to get into the animation. It's not quite as creative as I want to be, but it's going to be a lot of fun anyways. <laughs> what advice would you give for someone who wants to get into voice acting? So when you decide to take a class, ask around and see who people recommend because there are there is some unscrupulous people around and you want to make sure that you're getting a, if anyone says okay at the end of six weeks you're going to get a demo it's a lie <laughs> because you're not going to be ready at the end of six weeks for a demo i trained with a gentleman named mark cashman out in la and he sent me three scripts a week of a broad array of different styles so I could make sure that I'd have a good foundation. As you get more specialized, you go with special trainers. Like when I, when I do my animation, when you, when you want to do something specific, you look for somebody who's specialized in that genre. Pat, unfortunately, doesn't do an animation class right now. Otherwise, I'd be jumping on that. Oh, he's, he's doing a lot of audiobooks now. So that's, I think he likes it better. He, he's called it the Shakespearean acting for voiceovers because it's such a long form and it requires that much more commitment. It is, it is a fun, challenging process. I think it's the hardest kind of voiceover to do. I try to limit myself to recording about 40 pages a day because after that, it's just like, I don't have the energy to do it anymore because it's, it's and remembering, like if you've got six characters in that 40 pages, you got to remember which voice each one is. And after about 40 pages, you do get tired and your voice gets scratchy. And Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, do you find it hard to get back into the role the next day? So say you record your 40 pages and then the next day you kind of have to, you have to listen back to it and kind of go, right, that's how I was narrating. If it's, a, if it's a secondary character, I have to listen to the voice. But if it's primary character, most of the time I'm pretty good. Sometimes I have to listen to it before I go back in, especially if it's somewhat out of my normal range. Like there was, there was one book I did where I had to have this soft, innocent voice. And I don't, I, it's not that I don't have that, but that's not my normal talking voice. Yeah. You know, this is it. And she's like, no, no, you have to sound soft and gentle. And you're learning about your inner power and you have to show that transition in your voice. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. But I had to listen to the character every morning to make sure that I was getting the right voice because it is it's not my normal voice <laughs> so you have to be really versatile it's quite challenging i can imagine yes it really but it's fun yeah, I mean, yeah. you get to use your creativity in ways that you know you get to imagine characters voice actors are getting a lot more recognition these days which is great yeah i think one of my clients it's an engineering firm and they're the ones that give me environmental videos to do which is actually a lot of fun because I get to learn about projects that I wouldn't otherwise hear. And they said they've been doing a lot of videos without the sound prior to connecting with me. And they said, you know, it just doesn't tell the story. 
it's a beautiful piece and they've spent hundreds of hours pulling it together but without the voice it's not really telling the story so it's nice to have that recognition that oh yeah we are kind of important yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you've also got to find the balance i guess because you can find some people that are a bit too diva-ish as well i suppose you know you have to have an ego in other words you have to be confident in your abilities yeah. But, you know, one of the coolest things, at least in the United States, I can't speak for any other country, but in the United States, if you get that arrogant and you're mean-spirited in any ways, you're kicked out. Yeah. People won't use you because our community is friendly. We're a bunch of nice people who like to support each other. I've never seen an industry that's as genuinely kind to others and help them along the way as this industry. Everybody else is like, there's a little backstabbing involved. Not here. It's just, oh, how can we help you? We want to be able to make sure that you do the best you can. Let's give you resources. Do you have any questions? It's great. And it, it's I know. I know. unique because obviously it's also a highly competitive field. So it's very strange right. that you find the friendliness and warm welcome from everyone else in the community. Well, what I've seen the differences because I have done acting is... In acting, it's it's based on the superficiality of your looks. In voice, it's the client's decision about your voice. And it removes jealousy in a way. I can't I don't know how to explain it, but there's there's like, oh, your voice fit the client better than my voice could. I did the best I could, but your voice was just like a half a range higher than mine, and that's what the client needed. It removes that jealousy. I suppose it takes it away from being personal, doesn't it? It wasn't really like we chose her because she's better than you. It's we chose her right. because that's the voice we want. And right. What's your opinion on it? Does it count as rejection or do you just take it as like, okay, fair enough, I'll move on to the next project? You well, it's, it's, a, it's a level of rejection, but it's not as personal. Like, you're a musician, so you'd understand the singing in front of people is terrifying to me because you're investing your soul and putting it out there and people are going to critique you and you're who you are yeah. I mean, because music is such a personalized thing that it can crush you. With voicing a project, it's a script that you're creating into a one-on-one -on -one connection, but it doesn't have that depth of, of soul to it. I'm not trying to belittle it, but it's not the same level of putting yourself out there soul-wise. I don't want anyone to misinterpret that because you have to invest yourself fully in the script. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but it's a, it's a different level for musicians than it is voice talent. I've been reading a lot as well about everyone just kind of goes talking about agencies. I mean, are you with an agency? Have you got an agent? I'm with a company called Take Two Productions and she's got me actually more acting than voiceover acting because that's her focus. But it's, it's fun because I get to, you know, I get to try out for commercials and I, had, I just had this whole series of instructional videos on swimming. And that was actually a lot of fun because it's one of my favorite things to do is to swim. So that was a cool. really cool experience. What's supposedly been like the most interesting or kind of craziest role you've had to do or craziest job you've got? I actually did this a couple of weeks ago um, and it was a lot of fun. I have a client in town who's developing greeting cards of dogs. So she has a picture of a dog and then she makes a mouth move because she does animation. And she's like, okay, I want you to voice dogs. You want me to? So she had like a Scottish Terrier, Belgian Shepherd, a Newfoundland, and a Bulldog. And so I'm like, okay, let's see. Oh, and a Chihuahua. So the Chihuahua's talking like this because the Chihuahua's like 
and and the bulldog talks like this because they got towels and you know so that was <laughs> I get out of the booth and she's like so you really like this I'm like you think <laughs> being from the UK and not being in the industry I'm not really sure how this works but they also mention a lot of um, union and non-union work in the United States you can't join the union until you work on three union jobs and you get a form called Taft Hartley after that, then you become a union member and you get higher wages. In my area, it's not a union town for voiceovers, so it might be harder for me to get union work. Right now, I'm not union, so it's easier for me to audition for non-union work, but I do get paid at a slightly lower grade. Is this something that most people want to get into as opposed to non-union work? It depends on what they want to do. I think ultimately that's the goal, but I think, I, I can't say this because I'm not a union member, but I think there might be a little more flexibility being a non-union member than a union member because you have to abide by a lot of rules. What's your dream script or dream project that you'd love to work on? Mm, my dream would be to be in a regular animation series. You know. A couple of different characters. Like, I want to do, like, a, a snarky character because I am from the East Coast and we're very snarky. <laughs> and it would just be fun to be, like, one of those snarky old women. I want to be playful. Yeah. And the animation gives me a range that I can be very playful in. And I would love to do more animation or even a game. So, we kind of went over a bit of advice for in the beginning, like, get a, you know, get some classes, get a reel together. What is your number one? Is that getting classes or is that... Oh, definitely. Hands down, definitely getting classes. Um, no one will take you seriously until you actually have the classes. And it's just because you have to have the, the tweaking. Some people need a little more tweaking than others, but you definitely need somebody to guide you to help you understand the basics of the industry. Getting out and getting yourself known is the hardest part. It's a never-ending process. It's just what you do. I mean, I go to at least, I should go three or four times a week to networking events. What I do is two or three times a month and then making one-on-one -on -one connections and communicating with people and having coffees. And I didn't really realize how it was all tied to genres, these specialized kind of categories. Yeah, I, it's flattering that a lot of people like my voice for narration because I've got a good documentary voice. And, you know, that, that's great, because I, I like that. But it's also like, but I, I want to play over here. Can I play over here? This would be fun, too. And it's because I don't have, I have the skills, like the innate skills, but I don't have the training to get into the very silly characters. Cool. Well, thanks again. It's lovely to meet you. And uh, Same here. Thank you, Sam. I'm sure we'll speak again soon. So. All right, take care and have a wonderful evening.